0: but but it's confusing because we've all been there like you said i can relate to you like having gone through the disordered eating myself um you know whether it's our own experience or we know someone else who's gone on a diet and been quote unquote successful because often there is that initial shift that that initial weight loss and so it's like well it worked but then eventually we Fall off track or gain the weight back or whatever it is so then we blame ourselves and it's like oh my god what well, was working before so what's wrong with me why can't mm-hmm. i stick to it and go back on the diet and then it's just that like endless
1: hi guys i'm your host megan van Diebender and this is the empowerhood podcast i am so happy to have you here you know motherhood is hard and we are going to talk about all of the hard things that just are not talked about enough so buckle up and enjoy this episode hi lindsay how are you i'm great how are you good thank you so much for being here
0: yeah thank you for having me i'm excited to chat with you
1: yeah me too so everyone out there listening today we have lindsay Plescott here and she did i say your last name right lindsay yes okay she is a registered dietitian and she owns her own business and i think you have a new cookbook coming out soon too right
0: i do not really soon though so like the process for writing a cookbook is very long. So I handed my manuscript in May 1st of this year, but it's actually not being published until December of 2024. Okay. So next year. So I'm like back and forth. There's like 10 months of edits and yeah. then it gets like the pages get laid out and then it goes to print. And so, yes, in like a year, just over a year,
1: I mean, <laughs> still part. so exciting. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're so excited to have you here today and you're going to tell us a little bit about, um, your motherhood journey and just what brought you to where you are today. And we're going to talk, we're going to talk nutrition today and just like awesome. how to simplify, you know, eating healthy. I love everything about your company and just, um, you know, making food feel good. And I'm so excited to, you know, pick your brain about that. Thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you start us off and tell us a little about you? Who is Lindsay? Who
0: am I? I always make this question hard. I'm like, who am I? So I don't no answer, <laughs> but, um, Yeah. So I am a registered dietitian, like you mentioned. So that's kind of what I do in my career. And I know we'll kind of get a lot more into what I do there as we start chatting. Um, I'm also a mom. So I have a one-year-old and a four-year-old, which is a very crazy time right now. Like I feel like this stage is like, more work than when my daughter was was newborn. Like yeah. I was you know thinking about how that would be adding another baby into the mix. But I feel like this is the stage because she's like walking around, getting into everything. and then my four year old is just like the most energetic little boy you've ever. either so, <laughs> there. Um, yeah, so I feel like that's kind of the gist of it probably as it relates to this podcast the most,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. you're in a very busy time. I remember that time. It's like you don't stop moving. Pretty much. Like the whole entire time. As soon as they start moving, you don't stop moving. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How old are your kids?
1: Um, so I have a seven year old. She's actually almost eight. Yeah. Almost eight. Yeah. Yeah. Seven year old daughter. Um, but I remember that I would I think like I tracked my steps one day when she was like a little over a year old and I think I walked like twelve miles. It was like insane. I was like, Okay, this makes sense why I'm so exhausted. Like all the time. Right. (laughs) And you have two of them. So Yeah. Oh, well, that's so fun. So yeah. now were you a registered dietitian before kids or was it after kids? Or- yeah. So I've actually
0: been a dietitian now for like over, just over 13 years. Okay. So, which is so crazy. Cause I still see myself as like, like, I feel like I'm, I don't know, so much younger. <laughs> no, but it's crazy when I think back and I'm like, I can't believe I've been doing it this long. So I, um, yeah, so I essentially have been in this field for like almost 20 years. Cause the, yeah. the program is quite long. It was like, six years to kind of go through all of the schooling and the internship. And then I've been a dietitian. Yeah. For, for over 13 years now. So for quite a while before I had kids.
1: Okay. Um, So tell us about your business. Like how has it evolved over the years? Yeah. So I've always kind
0: of had this lens of, so as you mentioned, my business is called make food feel good wellness. And really what I do is I help women and some men to heal their relationship with foods. I work primarily with people who have, sort of dieted like on and off for a lot of their lives or they might not necessarily relate to it as dieting but definitely have experienced disordered eating and again I find sometimes that comes as a surprise to people like they don't even realize that some of the behaviors and thoughts and habits that they've engaged in for a really long time are quite disordered Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure you can relate to this like growing up through the 80s and 90s like diet culture was rampant it's definitely still there but I feel like they're like I feel like that is kind of changing now. There is kind of more information about intuitive eating and just kind of like the harmful effects of dieting and restricting. So Mm -hmm. that's what I do. The main part of my business, I run a program called Make Food Feel Good, where I like coach our community through that kind of whole journey from the like mental and psychological piece we always start there because i think like often when people come to me or come to a dietitian they're so eager to dive into the nutrition piece and they're yeah. like what should i eat what shouldn't i eat like i feel so out of control please help me with this um and so my approach is a little backwards and that we always start with that foundation of mm-hmm. like really getting to the root of like why are you wanting these changes so where are you feeling stuck and how do you want to feel in your life and getting super clear on that how do you want to feel what are your core values? How do you want to show up in your day-to-day? And then from there, those kind of become the guideposts so that when we get to the nutrition piece, it feels good. And they can always run it through that filter of like, is this aligning with my core values and yeah. who I want to be and my authentic self? Um, and every decision can kind of filter through that. Like, is that is this actually bringing me closer to or further away from how I want to feel and live my life? Yeah. Um, so that program is... Um, we've got like live coaching calls we go through all of that from the, that, that journey of the like mental and psychological piece, shifting those habits and then diving into nutrition and how we can integrate that to feel good in our day to day, but then take it a little further into like actually living real life, which is going on vacation and enjoying holidays and right. being out for dinner without all of that stress and guilt associated with food. Yeah that's a big part of it and then my blog is another kind of is like kind of the other big piece of my business and there i really just like i published a ton of recipes on there because that is yeah. a huge part of i love recipe development um i actually love like the food photography piece i love how yeah. creative that side of it is because in school it's definitely very clinical very scientific yeah. i started my career working in a hospital and just like so i love kind of having those two pieces the community and then the like creativity
1: Yeah, I love all of that. Um, I mean, in so much of what you said, um, yeah, I can definitely – relate to. And I love that your business does start with the mental part of it. Um, Mm. because I, I feel like, you know, we, we do grow up with certain things that are always, um, around us or observed and, you Mm -hmm. know, that's just like stuck in our head. And I mean, definitely the diet culture, um, even, you know, a lot of mentality around, you know, um, a certain macro being bad or a certain type of food being bad. And you just have that just stuck. Um, yeah, like you said, you just feel stuck and you yeah. feel like if you eat those foods, um, you go off the rails or it's, you know, is going to ruin your health or, um, you're, you feel shame, like you said yeah. too. So yeah, there is so, so much around that. And I do, um, even though the diet culture has gotten somewhat better, um, I do think, you know, we are stuck in certain ways that we might not even be conscious about. Um, Yeah,
0: I think you nailed it there. Like uh, so many of those thoughts and beliefs that we hold are subconscious because we know that like those early years of our life, like our subconscious is so easily like impacted and influenced. And so a lot of times these beliefs are things that we maybe heard over and over Mm -hmm. growing up. And again, a lot of it from like our parents who maybe dieted as well. And again, like not, it's not their fault. It's kind of at that time, I think it's truly what was believed to be the best thing. Right. And, but maybe we heard over and over certain messages about like, Oh, I can't eat this food or carbs are bad. Or maybe it's, you know, one thing I see a lot too, is like, eat everything on your plate. And so it's this kind of like feeling that you feel guilt if you don't finish your plate or like there's so many rules. And I always find it um, interesting that often like when clients come to me, they don't like, if I ask them, do you have any food rules? Do you know what those are? They're like, no, I don't think so. And then as we start exploring these things, Mm -hmm. they are so subconscious and so ingrained. And we know that like, our brain, we function like 95% of it is our subconscious brain kind of leading these actions and thoughts. And so it really takes some of that work to dig deep, uncover those. And then the cool thing there is that once we're aware of them, like awareness is that first piece, we can't change what we're not aware of, right. But if we're willing to kind of approach that with with mindful awareness, which is adding that piece of of not judging your thoughts right so Mm -hmm. much awareness without judgment so if we can approach that with like curiosity and just notice the thoughts that are coming up that's that first step to being like oh do i believe this or was this just something that i heard and or maybe i believe this right now but is this serving me in where i want to go and the goals that i have and again if not what's very cool is we knew, we know through neuroplasticity that we can actually retrain our brain Mm -hmm. to develop new automatic thoughts and behaviors.
1: Yes. yes. Yeah. That is huge. Um, And I always like go back to just sustainability. I mean, I'm in the health field as well. I'm a health coach and like, it's like, Dieting is just it's not sustainable. And also like cutting out a whole food group is not sustainable. I think like people have different seasons of like what they're eating or maybe, you know, health issues or whatnot. But um, I think like just saying like, I'm never going to eat sugar again, or I'm never going to eat, you know, gluten again. It's just it's not really realistic. Um, Yeah. You know, and speaking from experience, like, I mean, I've definitely gone through my share of disordered eating. Um, You know, it's kind of brought me to where I am today and where I'm like, I want to help people not be like this. And you know, be able to sustain healthy eating, you know, not just like as a diet, but as just like as a lifestyle and like what makes you feel good. Um, But where was I going with this? Now I lost my train of thought. Um, What is (laughs) it? Now I totally forgot what well, I was going to so say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Just being able, like a diet and being so restrictive with things, you're never mm-hmm. going to be able to keep that up for the long yeah, run. Yeah. I think and that
0: is where we started was just saying like the diets aren't sustainable and they like, and they aren't right. And like the, the statistics are that 95% of diets fail. Yeah, And you know, that stats often out there and people are like, well, what does that mean? But there is research that shows us that 95% of people who go on a diet over the course of one to five years regain all of yes. the weight <laughs> back, yes. and 65% of those people gain even more weight than when they started. So I think like you said, we're sure there are different reasons why people need to change the way they eat and when, when it's like a medical concern or, you know, there are different reasons why they they may require dietary changes. Yes. Um, but most of the time, like speaking from this lens of of, I think most of the time people go on diets to lose weight. And what they don't realize is that they're actually like doing the opposite. And like we also know that one of the biggest predictors of weight gain is actually dieting, which is crazy. It might even be like the biggest predictor. And I think it's for those reasons, like you said, that they're just not sustainable. Um, But but it's confusing because we've all been there. Like you said, I can relate to you like having gone through the disordered eating myself. Um, you know, whether it's our own experience or we know someone else who's gone on a diet and been quote unquote successful, because often there is that initial shift, that, that initial weight loss. And so it's like, well, it worked, but then eventually we fall off track or gain the weight back or whatever it is. So then we blame ourselves and it's like, oh my God, what was working before? So what's wrong with me? Why can't Mm -hmm. I stick to it? Back on the diet, and then it's just that like endless. Cycle. I, it
1: really is so endless. But I think what you said, like when you fall off the wagon, but like, okay, so why is there. I feel like you start a diet thinking that there's going to be an end, but you never just make it, right? Like I've said this in many different ways. Like you don't just like eat healthy for 30 days and that's it. You can't just not eat healthy again. Like this is like a a lifelong thing where you have to consciously, you know, put good food into your body to support it. And I feel like diets kind of put the – thought in your head that you're like well I can do this for 60 days I can sustain this for 60 days where I'm miserable and like I can barely eat anything and you know stuff like that but then when you get to the 60 days Oh, I made it. I lost all this weight, but now I can eat whatever I want again. And it's like exactly. that's not how life works. So I think exactly. that's where like the whole dieting thing just doesn't. It it's never gonna happen. Yeah,
0: early. and like usually diets are kind of like they're designed to be like short term. But like you said, it's like well then, so what are you supposed to do after? And right, like you you finish these without any actual tools to implement any changes to your behaviors that are that are supporting how you want to feel. Plus, on top of that, you now have this kind of like restricted psychological factor that again we know you know in psychology it's like we want what we can't have and the more restricted Mm -hmm. we feel like I love there's this explanation um like the the creators of intuitive eating I did their their course and one of the explanations they gave or like a visual to kind of picture it as just like a bow and arrow and so it's like the, the harder you pull back on the bow and arrow the, the further it goes in the other direction and it's the okay. same thing with dieting like the more you restrict whether that's physically by restricting how much you're eating or what types of food you're eating um or mentally with all of that torment of like feeling guilty and feeling like a bad person for eating certain foods like mm-hmm. the more extreme that feeling or that physical restriction is the more extreme the result is going to be in the other direction which usually ends up being binging, um, you know, feeling even worse about your body, feeling even worse about yourself. And so I think it's just so important to understand that when, when we're thinking about changing our behaviors, like what are we actually after?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Now going into, you know, okay. So you were just postpartum, you just had a baby a year ago. So, I mean, this is like a crazy sensitive time. Right. And I think a lot of, us trying to lose the baby weight, having that pressure on us to get our Mm -hmm. body back. I mean, what would you recommend in this aspect, you know, as far as nutrition, especially when you're like breastfeeding, you know, all this, all these things are happening.
0: Yeah. So there's so much going on. And I think like, yeah, there's so much pressure to bounce back and all of these things when like your body has just literally grown a new organ and a human and like, and birth that child and all of the things that go along with it There, you know you're sustaining them or whatever it is like whatever you're doing there's a lot of extra energy required from you mentally and physically so honestly the, the biggest thing i do recommend is not to put that focus on losing weight it's to first of all focus on yourself and taking care of yourself and really the first thing is like making sure that you're eating that you're eating regularly enough, which again, is easier said than done. I remember someone saying to me, like, when I got pregnant, was like, you're going to find that there's days that you don't eat anything until two o'clock. I'm like, there's no way I know better than this. Like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and of course, there were many days where I was like, what have I, I don't even know what I've been doing for the last like eight hours to not get to a meal. So I think like that's so important is like taking care of yourself and eating like anything just to get that nourishment. And then like, as you're able, of course, you know, looking at ways to kind of make that easier for you to, you know, we know that adding protein foods are going to have like that iron and, Mm -hmm. you know, different minerals that are going to help to support our body to increase blood flow in there. Um, Protein also helps to stabilize blood sugars and keep us Mm -hmm. full longer. So if we're going to include that in a meal, it's going to last us longer, right? So kind of looking at things like that, carbohydrates that's our primary source of fuel like don't skip out on those or you're going to be even more tired and and hangry than you know than you are anyways being up all night so it's kind of like there's like that hierarchy of needs and um, that talks about sort of like the most important thing is just kind of meeting those basic needs before you actually start to look at like what it is that you're eating and the details right. nutritionally right. um but i think like not just postpartum but for anyone i always recommend taking the shift or the focus off of weight and again kind of back to that foundation of how do you want to feel what are the behaviors that can support that because that's the part that we're in control of Is like yes. what are the actions that we're taking whether that is practicing giving yourself permission to eat certain foods that feel or that, that have been off limits or whether that is having an intention to get more veggies on your plate and, and you know how can you do that in a way that feels good to you so it's really about again, like it always comes back to intention, Mm -hmm. remembering, you know, why it is you're doing what you're doing and how you want to feel and kind of having that compassion as you go through it.
1: Yeah. That's, that's huge. I I love that. Um, I, yeah, I remember not eating as well. And it's like, I'm not that person. Like I love food and I feel like I, I always want to eat, right? And yeah. But yeah, when you do get that busy, um, yeah. I also like. I, I feel like you could ask someone to like help with meals or like deliver meals yeah. or um, you know pre-order meals. Do you Do you have a spot that you recommend? Like, do you have a company that you usually use?
0: So yeah, so there's like, I love that you mentioned that because that was the other thing I was kind of just thinking as you were chatting is like to have either meals ready to go. So like stock the freezer before, like some of the lifesavers for me were my, actually my mom and my sister came over and batched these like breakfast wraps and lunch wraps for me. So like these, I actually have a a recipe on the blog, but that's something you can do quite easily, like take 30 or 45 minutes. You can make like 10 or 20 of them, stuff them in the freezer, and then you can just pop them in the oven or the toaster oven and let them heat up while you're like feeding your baby or whatever it is that you're doing. So there's like, if you can stop your freezer, get some things prepped. And I think like one of the things, one of the biggest lessons for me in motherhood has been has been asking for and accepting help. Like I was yes. never at that before. Yes. And like always just felt like I was a burden. But like let people help you. They want to help you. For anyone that's listening, like the best you can give, the best gift you can give to a a, a new mom or parent is food. Like, yes. Some food. Send groceries. Like, send meals. Send groceries. Yeah. Yeah. As far as meal like prep or delivery, it's probably quite different depending on what city or country you're in like right. i'm in canada and yeah. we're here. but there are some great um there are some great options here i had a friend send me something from legends hall which is like a company here um there yeah there's a few other ones there's i think it's called fresh in your fridge they're i think they're dietitians or nutritionists that prepare meals okay so there's tons of things like that and then there are different options like some of those meal prep options right where they send them to you but i always find that those ones like there's if you are very limited on time, you still have to put them together and cook them. Right. Um, So I'd say a combination of stocking up before you have your baby, like asking for or accepting, you know, help from people if they if they want to share some meals with you. And then yeah, not being afraid to lean on either meal delivery or, you know, options like that, or like even grocery store shortcuts. So that's something that I definitely lean on is like, and i think that this is something that can be controversial because there's all of this stigma around like processed food and packaged foods and that kind of thing but like my husband was recently away and like i just knew that dinner time was going to be chaotic and so i grabbed a few things i grabbed like a frozen shepherd's pie that was just like and it had like lentils in it and it had like some ground beef and some yeah. veggies and i just did a salad kit on the side um like i salad kits or like of greens or things like that I lean on heavily and I just like chuck a pile on my plate. I'm like, there we go.
1: (laughs) Pre-washed, right? I'm like lettuce pre-washed in the package. Yes.
0: Perfect. I always have stuff like that or even just like other, yeah, other ready to go items or often we'll do pizzas and just chuck some extra veggies on there throw those in the oven. They're ready to go. So I think that's a big part too of like healing your relationship with food before you have kids so that you can lean on things like that and understand you know what what they're doing for your body if, you're, if you want to how you can lean into maybe making them a little bit more nourishing but just take some of that pressure off of you
1: yeah I think that's huge and it's so funny because like every podcast that I do this asking for help thing always comes up so I actually just did a whole podcast on it I don't know if you listened to it yet but it's from last week so it's episode 14 if you want to listen to it later while you if you ever have time you know um but yes so that was like a whole episode on asking for help but it is it's so Uh, hard for women in general but especially moms to you know reach out and ask for help and Mm -hmm. then actually accept help that is offered to you (laughs) and it's just like so common. And I really, I don't really understand it. I mean, I think it must partially be the way we were raised. Um, and it's something about, I mean, you live in Canada, but, um, in America, it's just, you're known that you're a mom and you have, to you know mm-hmm. do it on your own it's so it's it's not like the rest of the world where you know children are, are raised in communities and yeah. villages um mm-hmm. so it it is it's hard but I mean I, I mean I know I consciously have to practice it daily because yeah. it's just not something I'm I'm very good at and I do mm-hmm. see myself getting like better and better at it but I think like Asking for a meal is so simple, you know, or even yeah. just accepting a meal because I think it's so right. easy for people to be like, how about I drop off a dinner for you guys yeah. or, or something yeah. like that. And um, yeah. and I like how you said it doesn't matter what it is because I think a lot of times we're like, well, what if it's something I don't like or what if it's something that I don't want to eat because I want to lose the baby weight or something like that. Right. I was like, no, it doesn't matter. This is going to fuel yeah. your body for recovery, for energy, <laughs> for you to be able to take care of yourself and your child to yeah. so just accept it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the thing is too, like, as people are kind of working on their relationship with food or or like, whatever it is feeling like they need to kind of get a handle on their eating, like one of the biggest challenges and actually being connected to your body is not eating enough right so if mm-hmm. you're not eating regularly enough you're gonna have like crazy cravings you're not going to be in tune with your hunger cues or your fullness cues or your yeah. satiety cues um and so we need like we need to have stable blood sugars in order to be connected to our body otherwise it's always in that survival mode of being like okay you're not feeding me you're still not feeding me so it sends like stronger and stronger signals including things like hunger hormones right so when we're tired we also produce more hunger hormones yes. because it's another source of energy for us. So I think that's maybe something that's important for people to hear if they're struggling with that, that like one of the best things you can do is to eat regularly and to nourish your body in order to reconnect with it and actually understand and be able to honor those different cues that it's sending.
1: Yeah. I was going to bring up the sleep thing. I mean, that's what I do for a living is I work with pediatrics. Um, I'm a sleep okay. consultant. Um, and, you know, I, I, got that certification because I was working with postpartum's mom, postpartum moms and they couldn't yeah. sleep, you know, because of yeah. their children, which of course there is a period where babies have to eat every two hours, you know, it's just a part of life. But of course, when we're not getting that sleep, it's really, really hard to, you know, eat healthy. It's hard to want to exercise. It's hard to really want to do a lot of that stuff. Um, and so You know, you just have to know that. Like you said, just know that you are going to be tired. You're going to feel more hungry. And you also have a lot going on, especially during those first six weeks when you're healing. You know, your body needs more fuel to recover. And then if you're producing breast milk, all of these things, you can't expect to be able to eat less calories and be able to function properly, like you said.
0: And if you are breastfeeding like like that, you require even more. And so if you're mm-hmm. restricting or in a calorie deficit while you're breastfeeding, you're probably not going to be able to keep up your milk supply. Yes. And like the content of your milk might not be sort of optimal. Yeah, it might not be kind of what your baby needs, right?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. think you know, that nutrition, those first six weeks, whether, like you said, whether it be from a box or from, you know, vegetables, a mix would be great. But I think like anything, and don't be afraid to eat more, right? Like, I think that's the thing too. Like, I always get the question, like, well, how many more calories should I be eating when I'm breastfeeding? And I mean, is there an answer for that, Lindsay? Or would you just say, listen to your body? Yeah. So
0: it's kind of a combination of both. Like, again, kind of like the weight thing, I really try to steer people away from, or like, mm-hmm. I yeah, like the calorie prescriptions are focusing on calories because it is going to be different for everyone. Yes. Right. So I think just to give like a bit of a picture, like I think it's in the ballpark of like around 500 calories more per day. Mm-hmm. So again, I want to say that with a major kind of like, yeah, you know, take it lightly because it's, it's very different for everyone, but it's just to show that it's a significant amount. Like yeah. your body mm-hmm. is working very hard. You need that extra energy just to kind of like sustain what you're doing, let alone feed another... Human being. Um, so, with that said, again, like I said, for anyone that I work with, I would say okay, but I would not really talk about that. And we kind of say, you know, that yeah, the ultimate kind of gift you can give yourself is is reconnecting with your body and your hunger and fullness, mm-hmm. which is why I think too, like if if you know you're thinking about getting pregnant, it's I like I often get the question, can I can I start intuitive eating or can I kind of dive into this work when I'm pregnant or before I'm pregnant? Um, yeah. And without a doubt probably that, that will come up during your pregnancy is just your body is changing and things are happening. So if you kind of work through some of that before, it will be that much easier to honor your body and your needs when you are going through that. So I think like, yeah, I think it really comes down to listening to your body. Like again, eating regularly as much as you can so that you can notice those cues and that they are more regulated. And then like, especially in those early days, like I would just say, don't even worry about it. Just take care of yourself, nourish yourself. Do what feels good, Um, and then as you kind of you know come to a place of being able to you know look beyond just survival in those early days. Then yeah, it is really helpful to um, to tune into like hunger fullness satiety, all of those things.
1: Yeah. Do you get a lot of, um, pregnant women, you know, trying to better their nutrition? Like, is that why they come to you at that point or what?
0: Yeah. So a combination, like I would say it's not the main thing. Isn't sort of like coming to me for nutrition during pregnancy, but often I will have people coming like, like during those stages where they are really wanting to heal their relationship with food. Or again, like often during pregnancy, there is that extra motivation because there's this other, life right. that you are you know that you are carrying uh and so definitely like nutrition is a big part of it and i like i love having that opportunity to work with people to say like to again have that positive lens and focus more on like what can we add versus like what do you need to cut out because yeah. that can all be a huge thing during pregnancy is so much fear around what you're putting into your body and how is it affecting your baby? And so I always like to approach nutrition with that lens of positive nutrition where we focus on, okay, what, what can you get more of? What can you add to your plate? What are going to provide the nutrients that are going to support you through this journey? And sort of looking at it that way.
1: Okay. Um, I mean, postpartum, like when do you, what's the best time to start intuitive eating postpartum? Like,
0: honestly, you can start anytime. You really can start anytime because, so the cool thing with intuitive eating is that we're actually all born intuitive eaters, mm-hmm. and this is really evident with babies, right? Like you see a baby when they're born, like they cry when they're hungry. Like as they get older, if they're when they're done with their meal, like I'm going through that right now with Indy, just like chucks it on the floor, <laughs> throws <it> across, <laughs> and we're like, okay, thank you, you're done. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are all born that way. And so the cool thing about it is that we're actually just coming back to our natural state. But of course, over the years, there's, we're just bombarded with outside messaging and media. And, you know, the things we talked about initially, all of those subconscious messages that have kind of been ingrained in us, that it does take some kind of like unlearning and digging through and filtering through that. But really, there's never a time that like, I think any time is great to start kind of dipping into intuitive eating because it's not a diet. Like I would absolutely say like, you know, dieting for sure is not a healthy thing to do when yeah. you are, well, you know, as we have talked about my philosophy is kind of like in general, but especially when you are postpartum, but with intuitive eating, it really is just reconnecting to your body and honoring your needs and understanding your needs and removing kind of that guilt. So I think, I think that's a great time
1: mm-hmm. to do
0: it because it's, it allows you to kind of focus on yourself in that in that healthy positive way.
1: Yeah. So intuitive in- eating to you is you know eating when you're hungry, stopping eating when you're full, you know honoring your cravings for something that might used to seem bad type of thing.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, so in- eating it, there is actually an entire framework so it is uh like an evidence-based research-based framework created by two dietitians i think it was in the 80s it's been around a long time and there was a yeah. ton of research that supports it so there are 10 principles and those are some of the the principles okay. like honoring hunger, understanding fullness um i can't remember exactly what they're called yeah but like,
1: I, I know what you're talking about i just wanted yeah, people to think, yes there are things. 10 yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it's like joyful movement, bringing joyful movement in. Gentle
0: okay. And so a lot of people, like, I feel like, especially with social media, there's this idea that intuitive eating is like, eat donuts and pizza all day and whatever you want. Right, and Right, you know, And nutrition is a big piece of it, but it's integrating the two. So giving yourself permission, removing the morality from food, reconnecting with your body, um, and then also implementing gentle nutrition when it feels good because that's a part of it too. Right.
1: Right. But it might
0: just not be what we've, what we've thought it to be in the past.
1: Right. So, I mean, it's really, it's a balance, right? Like you're balancing a little bit of everything, um, while prioritizing healthy eating in there as well.
0: Yeah. Having that as part of it for sure. And it also like the framework, I think where it's different from a lot of others is that it really does like encompass and prioritize health mentally physically and emotionally Mm. whereas often when it comes to food and nutrition it's just that physical piece right and so it kind of recognizes and honors that like without mental and or without the mental and uh, emotional health and wellness like we don't really have health and wellness, right? It kind Mm -hmm. of requires being all three pieces.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, after someone has a baby, I mean, you're kind of refinding yourself, right? And Mm -hmm. your body is different and whatnot. Like how do you, like what is, is intuitive eating the way that you would recommend women to like find that trust in their, their new body again?
0: Yeah, definitely. Like I just, I think that again, intuitive eating is, it's just you know, again, it's kind of coming back to our natural state and reconnecting with our body and letting it be the guide. And I think it really is the only way to kind of have a lifelong, consistent and healthy relationship with food and your body. Um, So yeah, I mean, I definitely think that is that's kind of my whole philosophy and approach around nutrition. So it is Kind of what how i work with people is to help them kind of re reconnect and come back to their body being their guide because when we're dependent on external factors whether that it is you know something like intermittent fasting and you've got these certain eating windows or whether it's you know like i don't know if they still have these things but i remember this one diet where there was like different containers and different colors and you put like your carbs in this container and your fats in this container like pre-portioning the meals okay. or you know, calories that are decided from for you from from an outside source. So, any time that we are following external cues, we are not connected with our bodies mm. because we're not checking in. It's like those we're depending on those cues to tell us when we're hungry, when to stop eating, what we can and can't have, and so we're stuck in our heads and out of our bodies. So it does okay. require to go of those rules in order to notice again. You know what? What is it that actually makes me feel good on all of those fronts, right? So there's mm-hmm. kind of period that can feel very scary because it, there's this control in those, yeah, those yeah. factors. And again, I've been there. I totally understand how scary it is to let go yeah. of those. It's, you know, what I always hear from clients is like, well, what, like I just don't trust myself if I'm not tracking my macros or tracking my calories yeah. or my steps or journaling everything I eat. But the only way to learn to trust yourself again is to release those and start to reconnect with your own body's
1: needs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see how that would just be so hard, especially just with all these like gadgets and stuff that we have now, which can be really helpful at times. Um, but it's not something that you want to do, you know, for the long haul, you know, it's, yeah. um, I mean, I guess my next question would be like, okay, so we're listening to our bodies, right? Or we're starting to um, tune into our bodies more. Yeah. Now, what about stress eating, emotional eating, um, triggered eating? Like what happens with this? So these feelings come up, what happens?
0: That's such a great question. So one of the things that I kind of like teach clients about is that there are different types of hunger. So some people are kind of, you know, they're aware of like emotional eating or that kind of thing, but there's sort of three distinct types of eating there's um stomach hunger which is like your physical hunger mm-hmm. uh mouth hunger, which is kind of that like craving for a certain taste or texture like it's really not about the physical aspect and it's not emotional but you're craving something very specific okay. and then heart hunger which is that emotional hunger so this is like a framework this was i think this was created by another dietitian they run a course called craving change and i remember just learning it in that mm-hmm. way and i was like oh, this is such a nice way to visualize it and kind yeah. of understand And then there's another one that I kind of like to add called like practical hunger, which is just, you know, there's certain days where you're like, I'm going to be in meetings all day, or maybe you have back-to-back podcasts booked and you know, you're not going to be able to eat. So maybe you're not hungry in that moment, but you know, I'm not going to be able to eat for three hours. So I'm going to eat something right now. Yes. So understanding that. So again, starting at that step, I find like food journaling is really helpful. So very different from food tracking where it's just about the calories or the macros or what you're eating. The food journaling, I can send you a template for this too, if you want to share it with anyone, Sure. Uh, but the food journaling really is more about understanding the why. So noticing why am I eating? What's driving these behaviors? How am I feeling after I'm eating? So when we do this, it's a combination of, you know, yeah, seeing what it is that we're eating, but understanding what's driving those behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, Say for someone who's finding that at night, they're constantly like they can't stop snacking or they're binging and they're beating themselves up about it where this journal can really come in handy is you look back and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Like I, you know, didn't eat lunch today or I was, you know, skipped the carbs at dinner and I have increased sugar craving. So it's really just information. Okay. It's not meant to, again, again, it's meant to be used with that mindful awareness. So seeing the information and just getting curious about it and this can be really powerful. So with all of this said I know you kind of asked like what do you do when you have these different types of hunger yeah I understanding that none of them are bad right so it's not necessarily a bad thing to eat when you're feeling emotional when that is your only coping strategy that's when it becomes a problem right okay. when you're kind of using it to push down and deny and avoid those feelings and there's kind of nothing else in the mix um, so what we want to do is start to build out like a nourishment menu of like what are all of the options you can you can use when you're upset. So, that first step would be noticing, having that awareness, how yeah. we can change it. And then the second step would be kind of starting to integrate um, what some of those practices are. So, I, I call this the map it process, where you have that mindful awareness, you notice what's coming up, what those behaviors are, uh, and then you take a pause, right? So, you take that pause before acting on anything. So, before immediately going to food or before going to restricting or whatever it is, it's just Trying to pause and connect with yourself, like, why am I making this choice? What is my intention here? Does it align for me? And then taking action. So from there, you you know, maybe you created this menu, and you can decide, like, you know what, in this moment, like, I really just want to sit down, watch my favorite show, enjoy some salt and vinegar chips. <laughs> That's my favorite. Um, <laughs> or, or you might be like, you know what, I what I really need to do. This might be the harder thing right now, but I need to talk to someone, or I need to sit okay. with these feelings and take a bath and. So that would be the implementation process. And then the last step is, is the practice. So you kind right. of practice this until it becomes an automatic behavior. So when we're initially making change, it feels really hard because we're having to think through all of these steps, right? Yeah. Like it's like you need to drive a car. Like the first time you get in, you're like, oh my God, right. I have to like check the mirrors. I have to do my seat belts, I have to move the seat up. I have to like do a shoulder check and see yes. if anyone's coming. Like you have to think through all of those. But think about it now, like you can get in your car and arrive where you are on autopilot, right? So it's the yeah. same with our behaviors. It feels really hard in the beginning. And I think that's where people get stuck or it feels frustrating or it feels so much easier to just go to the diet that you're familiar with. Yes, It might be torture, but it's there's comfort in knowing what the result's going to be, knowing that it's going to work, but you kind of find yourself back at the same place. Yes. So that practice piece is really important. Um, you know, to stick with it. And you'll see that, like, it gets a little easier every time. And then I find there's often this point where it's like, okay, it gets a little easier, a little easier. And then it just like clicks and all this work that you've done, you now have this new, like automatic way of thinking and behavior.
1: Right. Um, now After practicing and doing all that, like, so it comes a time where, I don't know, you're having a stressful day, you didn't sleep well, like, would you, like, when you're going through that process on autopilot, are you saying that you wouldn't choose those foods or if you're craving them, choose the foods and, or what would happen, I guess?
0: Yeah, it kind of depends. So the first part would be, like, noticing that Mm because for this person or, me, I've for sure been there. It's like, initially you aren't even aware you're doing it. It's like, you get home, you're stressed out, you go into the cupboard, you're eating and you're like, Oh my God, I didn't even realize that I had walked over here and I'm halfway through the bag. So that awareness is the first step of noticing like, Oh, that's a trigger for me. Like when I am stressed out or when I have, you know, these types of conversations with my partner or when the kids are triggering me, like this is my kind of go-to. So it's noticing what that habit is. And then As you start to engage in that automatic behavior, you're noticing, oh, right, like I'm, I'm this, I'm going for this automatic behavior of food. Right. So when you notice that, that's when you have that opportunity to pause and check in with your intention. Mm -hmm. So you can ask, like one of the questions I often guide people to is like, what is the most loving thing I can do for myself in this moment? So I I find that that when you go through that lens, like you really can't get it wrong because it's this compassionate lens of like, okay, you know, am I actually going to feel better if I just kind of stuff these feelings down with food? And if you know that that's not the answer, then it's maybe trying to do something else. Like you can go back to that menu. You can, you know, t- like distract yourself for a while with a pause. So distracting yourself in that case is very different than distracting because you're trying to restrict. It's like, I know this isn't going to feel better right now, but it's such a strong like habit for me that I need to do something else to choose the loving behavior at this moment. Okay. So when you ask kind of like, do you do it? Do you not? That's again, gonna be different for every person. It's gonna be right, different in right. situations. Like right now, is this the most loving thing? Maybe it is. Right now is this the most loving thing? Maybe it's not. And so as you get to know yourself and you build out all of these different tools, it becomes easier and easier to choose what what you know is best for you in that moment.
1: Okay, I love that. I love the like the compassion piece too because I think it is so yeah. hard for us to be kind to ourselves. And it I know does. this is just such a common problem. You know the mm-hmm. the like binge eating when we're feeling triggered by anything and of course like our lives are stressful, especially as parents mm-hmm. and you know, we're working moms and all of that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I just I see it a lot and from personal experience from the past too, for sure. Um and I I love that and I I don't know if I'm kind enough to myself after you just stated it like that. um, For sure. most of
0: us aren't, right? Like I think that's another thing that runs on autopilot is like that inner critic. And again, becoming aware of that is a huge piece because – again, I don't know what the exact stats are, but the number of thoughts that we have a day and the number that we're actually conscious of, like, it's so easy to just be so hard on ourselves. And if that's how we've always spoken to ourselves, it's the easiest, most ingrained, like root in our brains, right? And so we have to practice and recreate that new path for that to be the automatic thought so if our automatic thought is like oh of course I'm going to do this again or why did I just do that or you know and then often when we feel bad about ourselves we continue in those behaviors because they're also a way to cope with those uncomfortable feelings or to to ignore those uncomfortable feelings and so becoming aware of those is just as powerful and then practicing new ones so so often those aren't the the natural thoughts as if we've been thinking a certain way for a long time and so like one example might be with food like if you've always said to yourself that like you know I can't eat carbs or carbs are going to make me gain weight or whatever and you want to reframe that maybe it's starting to think like okay but I know that carbs not but but what is a new way to think of that that serves my goals carbs provide me with energy carbs are a form of nourishment carbs are going to provide that for me right now or you know what I mean so kind of Looking at it like that lens and using that same process to become aware of the thoughts, to take a pause, to assess if they're working for you or not, and then to replace with whatever is going to serve your goals in the end.
1: Yeah, I think that's huge. And I think you're right that it is going to be different for each and every person. I mean, I know all the women that I work with, I'm like, you want to eat something that's going to make you feel good. Like, what do you want your energy to feel like? You know, what do you, like, how did you feel after that meal? You know, it doesn't matter what you ate, you know, but if it didn't make you feel good, maybe next time make a different choice, you know, as simple as that. that
0: and that's where like intention is so important because like choosing a salad could be a diet behavior but it could also be an intuitive eating nourishing loving behavior mm-hmm. right so if you're thinking like yeah I know that I have a busy afternoon ahead of me I'm going to need to have energy um you know I want to feel to feel good and I know that that's what's going to do it that can totally shift that whole perspective on what a salad is and maybe you look at that and you're like yeah I'm going to make sure there's some fat in there I'm going to make sure I have a source of protein in there it's not just going to be like leafy greens but that's another thing I love seeing is when you know not only when clients find that like okay these foods that used to make them feel guilty that they can eat those with permission Mm -hmm. but eating foods that like have kind of been claimed by diet culture like salads is like one of the first ones that comes to my head or vegetables in general they were always seen as like I have to eat these of course you're not going to like something if you're like I have to eat this like exactly. And it feels like it's forced, but when you can look at it through that lens of what it's doing for you, Mm -hmm. I love seeing that aha moment too. It's like, oh, I actually love the like crunchy, fresh flavor of vegetables. Salads
1: are my favorite. And I think like a common misconception too is like that salads don't have a lot of calories, but like a lot of times salads at restaurants and stuff have more calories than like a hamburger. Um, So it's not – yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's all, all about all what you're thinking, yeah, and how you. Yeah, think about I remember
0: it. for sure there was a time where my salads were literally just like undressed greens, oh my and God. that, I feel like that, was not doing anything for me. Right. But yeah, that. Now I'm like, oh, I love salads. They have to put all my favorite things in there, yeah. and like, there's the there's the texture, there's the flavor. It's satisfying. So, um, I love that you brought that up because, again, coming back to that question, what is the most loving thing? It might be a salad. It might be a burger. That's going to be different. you in those different situations but you get to make that choice based on what you know know feels good.
1: Right, right. And yeah. it, I mean, I think too, like just as we thought, like it could be different day to day, right? Like how no. we're going to feel and it's not, you're never going to like make it with your nutrition. Like each day is going to be different. Your needs might be different. You know, next exactly. year might look different for you than it does today. Yeah. Um, and I think like a lot of times we stay so stuck in just what we know and we don't want to no. expand our, you know, palate or our variety and like right. different vegetables or fruits or proteins and all this stuff. And, um, and it is scary to try – new things. Change is hard, right? But yeah, it's also hard. like it's so necessary because our bodies change and we need to give them what they need.
0: Yeah. And I think that's like also like that's another reason why I love intuitive eating so much. Like you mentioned, like our needs are going to change as we age, as we go through pregnancy mm-hmm. if we're in a season of more or less activity in our life. And so if we're always dependent on like an external source to be like, this is what you need to eat, we're going to constantly have to go back to be like, well, what do I do now? What do I do now? Whereas when you're able to eat intuitively, you notice like without having to calculate anything. It's like you notice that you're hungrier because your body is requiring mm-hmm. more energy, or maybe you are in a slower season and you yeah. notice that, oh, this this is what I need to fill up and feel good. And and that has shifted, but you can rely on your own cues for that. And our body is designed to do that very effectively.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there must be so many things that make you mad on the internet. I mean, I can't even imagine oh. like even just like, I mean, this stuff makes me mad and I'm not a dietitian. Um, but like Thinking that you don't, that you have to eat low calorie. It's like calories. Mm-hmm. We have to have them. Like we, we yeah, actually yeah. have to have them to live, and for our body just to function on a, a resting level. Yeah, not calories even,
0: are literally a measure of energy, and I think <laughs> of, like that's what it is. It's like a, me- a
1: measure of energy <laughs> that you survive. Oh god, we're gonna go on a rant, but it yes. just like it drives me crazy when yeah. women are like, "Well, I'm, I can't, I need to eat low calorie yeah. foods," but I'm like, you need energy like and you wonder Mm -hmm. why you're not sleeping well or you're not motivated to exercise um your libido is low or like any like a libido is low anything like that it's just like you have to eat more than 1200 calories a day
0: and that's the thing too is like our bodies again are very smart and so they will adjust so if you are are restrictive and not eating enough your body's gonna adjust and be like okay I'm only getting this much Mm -hmm. calories aka energy and I I need a certain amount like i think that's something people find surprising too is how much energy we need at a base level for our heart to our lungs to pump our brain to function just our basic like everyday functions Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if we aren't getting what we need our body is going to slow those things down it's going to try to make up for it to preserve the energy that we need to survive that's why we're going to feel tired and groggy and lethargic because like our brain's slowing down, like our, all of those things are slowing to accommodate mm-hmm. what our body that we need to survive.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I kind of, I just went through that. Um, and I'm a health coach. So it's like, you need to ask for yeah. help sometimes. You know, yeah. but I'm a distance runner and I just started training for oh, a different wow. race. So, you know, my activity level has changed and the intensity of it. And so yeah. I was like, I need to check and make sure that I'm getting enough calories at, you know, even just like the resting level. Right. So I went and talked to someone and got my, um, you know, energy checked my, mm-hmm. um, and I was like way below and I was right. eating like a good amount of calories, especially for some. On my size, but yeah. like you said, your body adapts to it, and you feel yeah. fine. But it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're thriving. So, like, right. I was starting to see it in like different areas of my life. So, um, my period started getting irregular, and that's when I was yeah. like, "This is a sign." The yeah. doctors were like, "You're fine," and I'm like, "No, I'm not. Like, something's yeah, like, I mean, off, something wrong, right?" Yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. wrong, but something's not how it used to be. Yeah. Um, you know, exactly. I was always regular. So, yeah. I'm I'm so happy, you know, that I did that, and now it just like bring so much awareness to, um, sometimes maybe I might not even feel super hungry, but I need to have a small snack just to get that right. extra fuel into my body. Um, so I'm kind of learning yeah. more. And I think that like nutrition is that right. You can continue to just learn more about your body and what it means yeah. as it grows and evolves and changes. Um,
0: yeah. And you have permission to change that, right? Like follow right. What and know that things change. And right. yeah, that's another thing that we often – like it's hard for us to be like even just having permission to change your mind or change how you feel or yes. whatever it is, right?
1: Right. And I think going back again to like looking on a computer and being like, all right, this is my height and age and this is what yeah. calories I should be eating. Like no, F that. Right. Like it's like you're much, much more than a height and a weight. You exactly. know, you can't go yeah, off so of that. there's
0: so many things that go into it. We're like such dynamic beings. and Genetics play a huge factor. Like, again, activity level, just who we are as individuals, like, it's just not as simple as a formula.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And yeah. I, I think, I mean, even just like everything you said today, like, I feel like when you are going to nourish your body and, you know, support it in the way that it needs, like, you'll see yourself really thrive in all aspects mm-hmm. of life.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like a huge thing that I see. Like, obviously, as a dietitian, people generally come to me or do come to me about food or the relationship with food. And I think one of the like greatest kind of unexpected benefits is that every other area of life improves because when food is occupying so much of our mental space and energy, like mm-hmm. it's impossible that it doesn't affect all other areas yes. of our life, just as working through that and improving that and healing that and and getting rid of all of that mental clutter, of course, you're going to feel more free and happy and present in all other areas of your life as well.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I truly believe that, and I—I I mean, I always say, like, as a health coach, like nutrition, movement, sleep—it all works together, right? And it's like when you have those things on point, you're gonna like really be thriving with your energy yeah. and everything in your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Lindsay, where do you see your business? You know, five to ten years from now? Oh man, I don't know. Getting this book out there—that's one thing. Yeah, that's huge <laughs> in five
0: years. Um, but yeah, like I think for me, like I just love the community aspect. I love connecting with people, and I think. I just, I really want to continue to grow and provide this space uh, that feels like a space for people to feel seen and understood and really just experience more joy and presence in their lives. And so I think that's kind of where, what I want to focus on is kind of growing that community and just continuing to, you know, provide inspiration on my blog, hopefully. Um, But so sort of just kind of continuing along the path that I'm on, but obviously I would, I just want to have more impact and I just want everyone to feel this way in their lives and to have that freedom with food, which again, translates to kind of freedom and joy in your life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love everything you're doing. It's, I feel like it really is life-changing when you do have that freedom to just listen to your body and, you know, eat intuitively and eat what you want. Yeah. 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 So where can we find you? Where can we find your blog?
0: Yeah. So my blog is just my name. It's lindsayplus.com. And then you can find me on Instagram uh, at lindsaypluscott.rd. I'm also on like TikTok, Pinterest, YouTube, but though I'm not on those channels as much, I would love to get back to YouTube. Um, but probably my blog is the best place to find any like tons of recipes on there, free resources, information
1: about any of my programs, or anything like that. So awesome. Are you accepting yeah. new clients right now?
0: So I am, so I'm actually just launching, um, a cohort of my program in a couple of weeks. So that is, I run, I just, I only run like a few sessions of that every year, but that is opening. It's actually opening next week. So that, will um, I do have a dietitian in my practice who sees clients one-on-one, um, so that's kind of coming up with that.
1: Awesome. So exciting. Well, I'm going to link all of that below and thank you so much for giving us your insight and all this information.
0: It was yeah. so nice to chat with you today.
1: Absolutely. Well, I will talk to you soon. You have a great day. Okay, you too. Thank you, Lindsay. Hey,
0: okay, bye.